And for those of you who remain, whether here in person or on the live stream, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Titus. We bring our series in this short little book to an end this morning as we consider the theme of benediction. Looking at Titus chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. This is God's word. When I send Artemis, or Tychius, to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. This is God's word. Let's pray that you would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would pour out your blessing on us, that you would give us your benediction, your good word this morning, and that it would not fall on deaf ears or hardened hearts but that you would equip us to hear and to understand and to believe and to live the truth you declare to us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this series, we've been asking this question over and over. What is the church for? And we've been looking at this book where Paul is counseling Titus, a pastor of these churches in Crete, and what the churches in Crete ought to look like and what they are to be about, what they are for, to see what that might teach us. What is the church for? And it's an important question because all too often the the answers that we get popularly in books, magazines, on the internet is that the church is, is, is to be about gaining power, growing in success, so that we can be an influence on the world around us for good. And maybe there's truth to that. But some of the ways we see it work itself out is unsettling. Where we gain power for power's sake, or we seek success for success's sake, defining it only in worldly terms, or where we seek to have influence just for influence's sake, for our own happiness and joy. And we forget what God has called the church to be and to do. What is the church for? In this closing section of this letter, Paul lays out for us some greetings, some passing advice. He passes on God's benediction, and in all of that, he reminds us of this theme that has run throughout the whole letter, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be fruitful in mission. That the reason we're here is to participate with God and what He is doing in the world. And if we are to be His people, His church, we are to be fruitful in the mission 
he has called us to. And that imagery of fruitfulness is significant throughout Scripture because there's good fruit and there's bad fruit, right? The Lord Jesus himself reminded us of this. And when I was in South Carolina, we bought these cherry trees to plant on the side of our house because they bloomed, these beautiful blooms in the spring, and then never grew any cherries at all. They were just totally there just for, just for the sake of the little blooms in the spring. Uh, there, there are laws that are being passed now about this, but my neighborhood was full of those Bradford pear trees because, oh, they're inexpensive and they're pretty. Except like those cherry trees and those Bradford pear trees, they were the trashiest trees. Like the blooms would come and then it's just trash everywhere all over the place. And the Bradford pears especially are the most horrifically stinky trees known to man. Like I don't know why anyone has planted them. And if you love Bradford pears, I'm not apologizing. Like this is just a true statement. I have... Two oak trees in my backyard, four if you count the ones that are bordering. And about every four years, we get a bumper crop of acorns, and this was the year. And I mean, we were inches thick with just a layer of acorns everywhere, which on the back patio is dangerous. I would step out and and, and nearly crash on the concrete there, shoveling acorns into bags to throw into the trash. The deer, even when there were 18 of them in my yard, could not eat them fast enough to get rid of them. The squirrels could not bury them fast enough. They just piled up fruitful trees, but worthless, dangerous, useless. Then I remember that apple tree on the farm that my parents had in South Carolina that just could not stop producing apples. You could just walk up to it and pull one off when it was ripe. Peach trees, the pecan or pecan tree, if you are pretentious, the, that you could just pick them up all over the place and just, you couldn't stop gleaning fruit, wondrous, useful fruit from these trees. And, and, and that is the image of what the church is to be. We're to be fruitful in mission, bearing wondrous, good, refreshing, healthy fruit. But we can't do that on our own. If we are to be successful, if we are to be effective, if we are to bear significant and useful fruit in mission... There is one essential ingredient. There is one essential thing, one key element that we need, and that is God's blessing, God's benediction. And so we're going to look at how we need God's blessing in that mission as we consider three things. We're going to consider how we need God's blessing for mission in the community, how we need God's blessing for mission in service, how we need God's blessing for mission in the world. So the first thing I want us to consider then is that we need God's blessing for mission in community. Sometimes 
when you think about everything that needs to be done, all of the renewal that needs to take place, all of the change and the transformation and redemption and healing that needs to take place in this world, if you just think about it for a little bit, it can be overwhelming. I mean, just when I think about the the healing and the redemption that, that needs to be taking place in my own heart, it can be overwhelming, much less when I'm thinking about you or the world or everywhere, all of the nations and every place. And to think that that responsibility for going out into the world and making disciples of all these nations falls on my shoulders alone, it is a heavy burden. But that's never the picture Scripture gives. When the scripture calls us to be fruitful in mission, it's not just you, this daring peach tree, trying your best to give all of the world the most succulent peaches. Look, if you've ever had a peach tree, you know, like that's maybe enough for you and your family. Maybe, maybe in a really good year, you can get enough and you can, you know, hand us some off to the neighbors, but you are not going to solve world hunger with your lone little peach tree in your yard. You need an orchard. You need orchards of orchards. You need them everywhere. Which is why God has not made us alone in this mission, but he's gathered us together as his church, his orchard, if you will. Where, and he hasn't left us alone as a church, but he's gathered many others throughout this place and the world that we together, united in him, might be fruitful in mission together. And you see this in this passage. Look, Paul has sent this letter to Titus through these messengers. It's not clear whether it's um, Apollos and Zenos are uh, the the messengers and then Artemis and Tychius are, are coming later, or if when I send Artemis and Tychius to you, here where they are, here's the letter. Uh, you know, it's not completely clear what's going on, but what is clear is that Paul is sending people back and forth to and fro all the time. There's his church that sends, the church where he's at right now, he sends greetings to Titus. This letter is to be taken to other churches. This is the reason we have it, is because it didn't stay in Crete, but it was read at church after church after church. Zenos, the lawyer, we don't know who he is, and Apollos, who we see talked about in Acts, are most likely on their way to Alexandria. And they have an important mission there, and they need resources. Paul in his ministry of planting churches, wasn't just planting churches to survive on their own, but he went about also connecting them together so they could be united in that mission. They could support and resource one another. They could pray for and encourage one another. Titus is getting ready to be relieved, and he's going to head to Nicopolis to do more work of ministry so that Artemis and Tychius can take over the work of ministry here in Crete. And what you see here is a picture in all of these church connections of a thriving network of orchards bearing fruit wherever they are. And in that, consider how desperate we are in need of God's blessing to be poured out 
on all of those connections. Think about all the things that can go wrong, that do go wrong. Paul was shipwrecked more than once on his way from one place to another. There are uh, accounts of uh, people delivering letters. They almost died in the process, just hazarding the, the diseases and the dangers of this world, getting from one place to the other. Think about the the opposition that the churches are facing in Crete and in Rome and in Ephesus and in all of these places where the world, the flesh, and the devil aren't content to let God's church thrive and bear fruit, but they are raising up opposition. Think about the conflict that erupts. Even Paul and Barnabas find themselves at odds with one another at one point and how easy it is for personalities, for persecutions, for problems to rise up and thwart the mission, to infect the orchard with disease and decay. And do we think we're sufficient? Do we think that we have it in ourselves to see that all of this is held at bay? Do we think that we will never be the source of the problems? If the church is to thrive in this ecosystem of mission, if we are to bear good and healthy and refreshing fruit, we need God to pour out his blessing on us. For God is that master gardener. He owns the sun. He sends the rain. Paul says elsewhere, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gives the growth. If we are to be fruitful in mission in a community, we need to be a community shaped by and sharing God's love for his people. It can't be shaped by our own expectations or vision for what the church should be. We can't lose our temper or take our ball and go home and things don't always go just as smoothly as we'd like. We need to be a people who are devoted to something higher and greater and more weighty, the very love of God to us in Christ. And that is what ought to shape us so that whether we are here or in another church or going on mission trips to other countries, when we connect with God's people there, we're not connecting because we're in the same socioeconomic group. We're not connecting because we have the same likes and dislikes or hobbies. We're not connecting because we speak the same language. We're connecting because we are connected in our God. And it is his blessing that is poured out and at work in us and through us in all of those places where God's community exists. So what might that look like? How can we here at Calvary Reform Presbyterian Church seek out, receive, live out God's blessing in a fruitful missional community? We could be kingdom-minded We can pour ourselves in, volunteer, sign up, do the work of ministry here at Calvary with with eagerness, with boldness, not waiting for somebody else to step up and take on the responsibilities. But we can do all of that 
not pridefully, but with a kingdom mindset, knowing that there are other churches in our presbytery, other churches in our community, other churches throughout Hampton Roads doing the same thing, and we can keep them in prayer. When you interact with them at various events, you can encourage them and be encouraged by them. We can devote ourselves to the work of ministry in this place without falling into the trap of thinking that we have it all together, that we're the best, and that nobody else does it as good as we do. That God's lucky to have us on his side and that people really should look to us as the model. Now, notice what I said. Like, we can do, we have a tendency to just do one or two things, all right? We, we, we like to, to fall into one camp or the other. Not, just it's human nature. It keeps things simple. Let's just focus on what we're doing here. And not worry about what's going on out there. And there's something to be said for that, right? There's a saying in ministry that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it shouldn't be that way, right? Scriptures call us all to be, as members of the body, devoted to the work of ministry. Using our gifts to build up the body of Christ in whatever way God has called us to. And so we should all, each of us, be looking for those opportunities to use our gifts in the church. But, but when we get tunnel vision, when we start to just focus in on that, we lose sight of all that's going on all over the world. We can become discouraged. We can become frustrated when, when things don't seem to be working out the way we want them to in this place because we've forgotten that this isn't the only place that God is at work. We can get prideful or arrogant. We can lose hope. One of the the greatest things when I did RUF college ministry was going to summer conference. Even though I like I don't like the beach, it's not. I don't dislike the beach. It's just it's more fun when you have a bunch of little kids building sandcastles for me than playing volleyball. Like I'm not a volleyball guy. If you've ever seen me play, that's why. Um. But we'd have our little RUF, and we'd take everybody to the beach, and they'd look around, and they're like, a thousand students. There are other RUFs out there. There are other campus ministers. There are other people like us. Oh, there's three weeks of this conference? What? It's something bigger than us? And that was encouraging and inspiring. How much more do we as the church need to have eyes that are kingdom-set and kingdom-focused for what God is doing out there? But sometimes we can just look out there, just be busy with with all those big picture things, just bustling about serving in that organization, helping out with PRM, helping out with CareNet, doing this work of prayer for the persecuted church, or helping out with this organization, doing just these big things. and, And we never have the joy and privilege of these deep connections in the local place where we are when we're only listening to the preacher from California on the podcast and we're only doing church on TV and we never get to embody life together in a particular place. Life together is hard. And if we are to have both, that kingdom mindset and that 
dedication to living life together. We need God to be at work pouring his blessing out on us because we're not sufficient. We need God's blessing for mission and community. We also need his blessing for mission in service. Sometimes when we think about the church, it's easy to think only about church in terms of gathering together, gathering together for worship, gathering together for a conference, gathering together for a luncheon, gathering together for small groups, gathering. We, we just think about it in terms of like, I have to go to the event at the certain time. And it's true. The scriptures say, let us not forsake meeting together as some are want to do. There is a place for meeting together at the, at the particular time. There is more to the mission that God has called us to than just getting together. It's also serving together. Serving one another and serving the world. And when we do that, it's not just about being in the same place at the same time. It's about having what one pastor once called a long time ago to me, having people eyes. Having eyes that see more than a body there in front of you, that knows more than a name, but you see the people, their needs, their hurts, their longings, and you're ready to respond with the very grace of Christ. Because that's what mission does. God did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to seek and save the lost. And when he calls us to participate with him in that mission, he calls us to something very similar, that we in mission are looking to others' needs. Don't consider your own interests more important than those around you. Don't consider yourself better than those around you. Like, look to the needs around you. And you see this dynamic taking place in the early church. You see Paul encouraging this throughout his letters. You see Jesus Christ himself living it out and calling his people to be a people who aren't just worried about getting together, but who get together and serve one another and the world. You see that here in this passage where Paul says, look, I'm sending Artemis and Tychius to you to relieve you, Titus, so that you can come back and help me. Do your best to speed Zenos and Apollos on the way. See that they lack nothing. They're they're heading out on another mission trip and they are going to need resources, money, food, all sorts of prayer. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. There's, there's a, a learning to devote to good works. It doesn't come naturally to us to gather in the same place and be concerned about what other people need. I'm, I'm this weird sort of person. I, I don't, like, I'm not a party person. I, like, I need a job. If there's a gathering, I need something to do. 
And, and so if it's a game night, great, I'll play a game. If it's basketball night, great, I will embarrass myself trying to play basketball. And if people are over at our house for something, like I can't just sit there and like chit chat. Like I'm not good at that. I need a job. And that's when I started cooking meat on the smoker. I'm like, ah, this is, my, this is how I can have fun at an event at my own house. Tracy, she's the opposite. She loves, like, just let me go have fun. Don't give me the job. Let me enjoy the people who are around me. But, like, I can even take service and turn it into a self-serving thing. This is how twisted we can be. God is calling us to be something more, to be like Jesus, who always knew, who could who was so perceptive. And yes, he was God and he knew all the things, but there was also an element where he could look at Simon the Pharisee and just know what he was thinking about the adulterous woman. And he could address that need. He knew what the real needs were. He knew what the felt needs were. And he knew how to address them with grace and with truth. And he's calling us to be the same. And we can't be that without his blessing. If we are to truly have people eyes, if we are to truly to serve one another in grace and truth, we need God's blessing to shape us so that we can truly share God's own love for our neighbors. We could love our neighbors as ourselves. Where do you need to develop people eyes in your own families in this our church in our communities where do we need to learn to devote ourselves to good work so as to help in cases of urgent need and not to just heap on more hurt Where do we need to learn the very sacrificial love of Christ that did not consider his own place, his own glory worthy to be held onto, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant? There are all sorts of needs around you. Some of you have have learned this Development of people eyes. I've heard stories. Older couples calling up younger couples and saying, we'll watch your kids so that you can go to small group. Younger couples and small groups getting together and saying, maybe we can rake those leaves. You don't need to do it. I've heard stories of people showing up with food didn't ask for it, didn't know you needed it, but you know, it was that week, it was that week, it was that sort of week, and it came at just the right time. There are many in this congregation that have people, eyes, but we always need to be growing more and more. Where are the needs around you? I don't, I don't know. Well, ask. 
Maybe, maybe every young couple with young kids needs help watching their kids so they can go to small group. You don't know if you don't ask. Maybe every older family in the church would just love to go on a picnic with some younger families and get to know you better. And they just don't know if that's cool these days. What are the cool kids doing? Maybe they're not doing picnics, but maybe they are. Maybe, maybe you don't know what the needs are because you don't know the people. And you don't know how to ask. You're not curious enough. or You don't listen. Where do you need to learn to be devoted to good works? We need God to pour his blessing on us that we would have eyes to see that. Because we need his blessing for mission and service. We need his blessing, finally, for mission in the world. Sometimes we think that, yes, I get it. It's the whole church. It's all the orchards together. I can handle my bit. What God has given me, I can deal with it. I'll be good. I'm fine. I'm faithful. And then, like, something comes and just rocks your world. Like, I remember five years ago, reading news article after news article about how artificial intelligence was going to absolutely destroy all these lower-level jobs. No more McDonald's people. Robots are going to do it all. And come to find out, ChatGPT, which is the latest incarnation of AI, now it's the English professors who are a little bit nervous. It's, it's the history teachers that are wondering, will I ever get an actual written essay from a person ever again, or will it all be AI-generated? There are some artists who are wondering, although I've seen some of the art. Maybe you don't need to be too afraid, not just yet. Look, you might think you've got your little bit together, but this is a big, scary, broken world. And it's not going to take much to knock you down. One diagnosis, one rift in a key relationship, one, one layoff, one hardship. And all of a sudden, you're going to find that you don't have the strength to worry about others. You don't have the strength to do your part. You don't have the ability. We need God's blessing permission to the whole world. And you see this worldwide vision in Paul here. He's already moving on from Crete to the next place. He's in Nicopolis and he's on his way somewhere else. He's always got his sights set on Spain eventually. And by some accounts, he made it there. Apollos and Zenos on their way to Alexandria and yet not forgetting about the needs there in Crete. There is this worldwide vision to see the gospel of grace spread wherever people are. This is what God is doing. This was God's original vision when he set Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He set them there to cultivate it. Cultivate is not to maintain. Cultivate is to maintain and grow. 
to see that garden, to see people made in God's image spread over the face of the earth so that his glory would be manifest wherever people are and that people would be everywhere. Well, since the fall, we're barred from re-entering that garden, but he sent his people out into the world nonetheless to establish his kingdom, his glory, to make disciples of every language, nation, and people, and tongue. And if you think that you have it in you to fulfill your bit of God's great vision of what he is going to do in and in this world, then you don't understand how big God's vision is. We need his blessing. What might that look like here? Maybe it looks like us embracing being a sending church. Not just sending money, sending people. We're in a military community. We've got a, we're a college town. People are always coming in and out all the time. Do we send them off to their next place more rooted in Christ than when they first came? Do we send them with joy, knowing God has got something else for them to do? Have we equipped them well? Are we willing to step out into our community to send ourselves even into this place to seek out the needs, to bring the light of Christ into those places? You know, on a whim, I'd been, my coach had been on me about doing something like this for months and months. And on a whim, last summer, I emailed the principal at Tucker Caps, now Mary W. Jackson Elementary School. I was like, hey, do you have any needs that I could help out with? And now she's roped me into doing a boys club once a month and it's so much fun and it's and i'm not i can't be a preacher there i can't you know i'm i'm there to help out but but, but you can tell she has a vision for what can be done when the church and the community gets involved in the lives of people i know god has a vision where are the needs around you have you even asked We gather every Sunday morning in the fellowship hall to pray. To pray about our specific needs, our local needs. But to pray for, for bigger things as well. What is God's vision for this place? Our presbytery is looking to call a church planter. We're getting ready to host a, a pastor's class. Like, what is God calling us as a church to be? What? What is our church for? What does it look like for us to not squander God's blessing on his people, but to to step out as he leads into the world around us with salt and light and the truth of the gospel? What does it look like for us to start to buy into and share God's worldwide, cosmos-redeeming vision for ministry? What might it look like for us to step intentionally in and be devoted to being a people who want to bear fruit in our mission?
whatever that looks like, we're going to need God's blessing to do it. And so it is with great encouragement that we close this letter with God's blessing. Paul, as an apostle, minister of Christ, shares this blessing, this benediction, this good word of blessing, not from Paul, but from God to his people to remind us that the very blessing we most need, God most provides. Grace be with you all. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see your blessing on your people here at Calvary and and throughout our community and world, and that you would give us a boldness to step out in mission, and that we would not live our lives just for our own selfish ambition, but that we would begin to see what you have called us to do and to be as individuals, as a church, as a part of that ecosystem of orchards that you are raising up to bear good fruit. Lord, we can't do these things on our own. And so we ask that you would bless your people and that you would help us to be a church who is for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.